Rachel Krieger. And I'm Philip Simon. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm orthodox, so when I'm on a plane, I always order the kosher meals. And I'm reform, so I don't order kosher, but if there's only one chicken meal left, it's amazing how religious I'll become. This is the chat show that recreates that sensation of finding yourself on the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bar mitzvah. It's a nice free atmosphere and you can say what you like, but if you say what you'd really like, you'll never be allowed to forget it. Each week, we'll bring you two of our favourite Jews to chat about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they Hebrew school or play the fool? Welcome to Jude Talking to Me. Rachel, what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? Well, you know how much I love feeding people and it gives me so much pleasure to see anybody enjoying my food. On uh, Shabbat, on Saturday, we were sitting down to our special lunch and right in the centre of the table was the roast chicken and a wasp flew into the room. It landed on the chicken plate. It literally gnawed a chunk off, gathered it in its feet and flew out of the room with it. And I can tell you, it was such a big bit of chicken that it actually weighed it down and it flew like at a low level out of the dining room and while everybody else was like screaming and panicking all I could think of was how wonderful it was that it enjoyed my food and I was wondering if it was going to bring any friends back to try and taste some more I really honestly I've got pleasure out of that well the last thing you want is a load of wasps coming round for Shabbat fair points what about you, Philip? Well, now we've stopped putting these shows out as a vodcast, I've been watching back some of the older episodes just to have a bit of nostalgia, really. Have you? How's that been? It's a good show. You should try and catch it, <laughs> Rachel. Uh, but anyway, I've been watching and obviously they were all recorded quite a while ago now and they weren't necessarily filmed in release order. But I actually remember when I was getting dressed for this record, I didn't even know if the top I was putting on was one I'd worn already. And that really bothered me. I've worked in studios for shows like Mock the Week and Taskmaster and you can see how long the wardrobe department take approving the outfits for the hosts and guests. I just never realised until now how important that was. Okay, Philip, why is this the most Jewish thing? Because I know there's a stigma about Jewish men being mummy's boys and I, I don't really think of myself as that. I think I'm quite self-sufficient but there's a part of me that thinks I'd be far more at ease doing these shows if my mum was looking after the wardrobe. You know, like, <laughs> making sure that I'm wearing something that hasn't been seen within a six-week rotation, that doesn't need ironing and it probably isn't stained with tomato sauce. Well, this show isn't all about us. And before we continue, you are going to have to change your pronunciation to tomato because tonight we're being joined by representatives from the United States of America. Our first guest was a finalist in NBC's Last Comic Standing. He's written for Arrested Development and the Jim Jeffries Show, for which he was nominated for a Writers Guild of America Award. He also co-hosts a science-based comedy podcast called Probably Science, which is much like what my GCSE teacher said about my work. It's Matt Kershon. Hey, hey you both, how are you? We're good, good. Thanks. how are you? Welcome. I'm not too bad at all, thanks. So Matt, what kind of a Jew are you? I'm an undercover Jew now in the having this accent and living in America, no one thinks Jewish. Like they can't <laughs> deal with multiple stereotypes. It's like, I am the English person. I catch people out. Like, including Jewish Americans who had no idea that I was one as well. I am a an atheist Jew. I'm secular, although I was raised not secular. My family were floating between Orthodox and Reform. They switched shuls at some point in my childhood. I had the whole bar mitzvah, but I don't believe. So now I am a secular Jew, and now I'm a secular Jew living in America. Right, well, as a secular Jew living in America, let me ask you, what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you yeah. this week? Let me see. Stomach issues? 
had to go to a Jewish podiatrist. I didn't aim for a Jewish podiatrist. That's just that's just what happened after I broke my toe. So health issues in general. There's been multiple health issues and multiple encounters with doctors. This is both the most Jewish and LA version of a medical thing that's happened to me this week because I went to the podiatrist to get my broken toe fixed and he asked me what I did for a living and I told him and then he said, oh, do you know Nikki Glaser? Because I was on her show. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it's entertainment industry and health and networking connections all in one go. And just to put our minds at rest, do you know Nikki Glaser? I do know Nikki Glaser. We did many a show together when she used to live in LA. She's good people and very funny. And just to put my mind at rest, how's your toe? My toe is on the mend. I accidentally kicked a kitchen chair and at the wrong angle and my little toe broke and started to swell up, but it's mostly healed now. The doctor is very happy with how the x-rays look and apparently I, I did a very good job of looking after it. I don't want you to think that I don't care about your toe. I was just really interested in whether you knew Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Our next guest was born in Germany, but grew up in New York. She's an actress, comedian and voiceover artist, currently starring as the voice of Mercy in the video game Overwatch. She's also been in Red Dwarf, which I find very exciting. So let's welcome Lucy Paul. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. hi. Hello, hello. I also care about your toe. Thank you, Lucy. Do you not <laughs> care about Nikki? Am I? <laughs> Am I the only one? So Lucy, what kind of a Jew are you? I would say I'm a grower, not a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you heard the question. <laughs> uh, no, I think I did. I was not raised in any uh, religious way at all, but we're Jews. For me, it's not a religious thing. It's an identity, ancestry and heritage. And But I'm saying a grower, not a shower, because I find myself becoming more Jewish the older I get. Last week, I had this week of like sadness and there was a lot of days coming up that were like anniversary of things that had happened. And then I was talking to my very, very Jewish friend about it. And he said, well, you know, it's Tisha B'Av this week. And I was like, wow, that's also the day that I saw my grandma for the last time who died last year. That wow. was the last time I saw her, which coincided to be the same day as Tisha B'Av this year. So I, I realized like, wow, I'm becoming the universe is making me more and more Jewish though. Older I get. I just find myself identifying with it more and more. The mm -hmm. religious aspect of it too, or the the story aspect of the beliefs and the yeah, the traditions. You may have answered the question already with the story about Tisha B'Av, but what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? No, the most Jewish thing that's happened to me this week was today in the morning. I got really upset because the guy sliced my bagel the wrong way. And no. yeah. And I was like, what? How could you slice a bagel like that? And then I was like, wow, that was really Jewish. I'm so particular. Very Jewish and very New York at the same time. I said cut in half. I always, I get a bagel, cut in half, cream cheese on the side. And then I go home and toast it the way I want to and eat it the way I want to eat it with the amount of cream cheese that I like <laughs> and cut in half. And he cut it in half and then cut it in half again. No, I'm really horrified by that. How could you do that? Also, how am I supposed to scoop it? out people give me the the freedom to scoop my bagel out you can't scoop out four halves it doesn't work you have to scoop around anyway it's very jewish it's very new york it's very psycho <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm amazed there isn't like some kind of proper law about it in America. I know, right? There should be a law, like a bagel slicing law. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Do you think there needs to be a bagel lobby? I think I am the bagel lobby. Yeah. I'm the bagel lobby, lobby. if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when you said that, do you know what I pictured? Like a hotel lobby, but just made of bagels. Ooh, yeah. nice. Bagel lobby does sound like one of those dog whistle phrases that get thrown around. <laughs> you know these New York bagel lobby types. <laughs> yeah. It's just waiting for somebody to put the word gate at the end as well. Yeah. Bagel lobby gate. <laughs> bagel lobby gate. These are clearly very challenging times for all of us, whether it's about your bagel or not, Lucy. I, I don't know, but I, I want to ask you, what's the matter, Bubbler? What's not the matter? <laughs> well, there are so many things, to be honest. But uh, one thing that has been bugging me is TikTok. I cannot understand TikTok and why we're living in a time where it's cool to do what everybody else is. It's like TikTok is an app for people to copy each other and then decide who's the best at copying. Like it used to be that it's great if you're different and like you do something different and unique. But now this is like a time of how good are you at being like everybody else? That's what's bothering me right now. And maybe that's because I'm so very young and all I care about are apps. No, I don't know. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking is you want to seem like you're young, you know? You don't talk about politics, you just talk about TikTok. It's on everybody's minds yeah. here. I think Matt would agree all he's been thinking about has been TikTok. Oh yeah, I'm up on all the apps. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm a few years older than Lucy and I think you can work out your age by what point technology just lost you or social media. TikTok's well past me, but Snapchat was mine. Like Snapchat mm. was the first point that I'm like, I'm I don't know, I've got no idea. Uh, Sorry, is that, New York. Is that which, New York happening behind you Lucy? The law coming down on you <laughs> talking about TikTok. It's the Chinese government they're coming, or the Russians. I'm with you on this, Lucy. I agree that too many people are just repeating things they've seen. I'm on TikTok, but I use it. I tell some jokes on it. I do some of my original material at Philips Comedy, if you want to have a look. But I don't think, therefore, that I fit in, because most people do seem to just be lip-syncing to things they've seen. Even people lip-syncing along to stand-up comedians. So it's not even they're doing songs. They're doing recordings of themselves playing other comedians. Yeah. That's very 2020. It is. I actually had a very proud moment this week due to TikTok because I, oh. I don't get much interest on Twitter and Facebook, but I tweeted something that for me went viral, which means nine people liked and retweeted it. Um, nice. But, I, but I was two of them. You talking to me was the, the other one. So I tweeted, hey Siri, show me people that are upset by TikTok. And then <laughs> I put a photo of Donald Trump and Captain Hook. <laughs> just before lockdown when, when we were still allowed to go places in person a group of us went to do an escape room the other group in the waiting room going into one of the other rooms in the same building was a kid's birthday party five or six girls in their I'm bad at judging ages but like early to mid teens I'm guessing maybe younger and before they went into the room they just set up a camera and got into a formation and all just did a dance a TikTok just completely unselfconsciously in the middle of this room when six strangers were waiting to do a different escape room and the guy who ran the building was also just sat there. I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was just a straight up delight. Unselfconsciousness and just joy and it's just like, yeah, that's what we do. We were about to go and do a thing. We're all together for our friend's birthday. 
And so we'll set up one of the phones on the bench opposite, and then we'll just all do our whatever specific dance it is that we've pre-practiced and rehearsed. Now we'll just have to see if that stays, well, that spirit of togetherness holds up. Do you know what? I think I know the gateway drug for adults into TikTok, and it was Boomerang on Instagram. But I, I often do a guest spot on a, a radio show called The Sunny and Shay Show, which is two adults and me having conversation, amusing conversations, but still grown ups. And one day they said, Quick, let's do a boomerang. And I had to do some kind of action with my leg. And then every time I went for the next few months, we had to do boomerang things. And I felt very old. I thought boomerang was literally sort of the eight second. It does this and does that. Yeah, that yeah. you do a like movement and then it kind yeah. of repeats it backwards and forwards. They love it. Sunny and Shay's yeah, favourite thing. I think watching adults on TikTok is like watching adults on Snapchat. They've got their photos with their filters and their cat's ears and things like that. And I think you're 43. Yeah. That's, that's not how you should look. I don't get TikTok at all, but I do like Sarah Cooper. My worry is how would I learn all the words? Because she basically lip syncs to... Uh, she doesn't She doesn't lip sync, she does. Yeah. Donald Trump. Um, no, she, she lip syncs. She, she lip syncs, it's not miming. It is lip syncs, yes. yes. And then I think I've got to learn those words. You know, I've just... I've just got Matt, what's the matter, Bubbler? Aside from dealing with a broken toe and the world being a mess, on a personal level, my, my week's been okay. Our cat's been more of a maniac than usual, and he's always a maniac. You know, just when you think he's kind of calmed down a bit and we've got a normal pet and he'll attack us from a distance. Like, we, we, we sort of accidentally ended up with this cat. It was not a planned cat. It was <laughs> Trey that a friend found and we were looking after him overnight until we could find the real owner because she couldn't take him home to her house because she has a dog that would think it's a toy. And then, like, no chip, no ads that anyone posted online. No one responded to the ads that she posted online and put up in the area. We've got a cat now. And, you know, <laughs> if I was if I wasn't wearing long sleeve shirt right now, you would see the various scars along my arms, and legs. You know, he was a, he's a street cat, but also was raised by humans at some point because he knows how to be in a house and use like a litter tray and knows how to be adorable and snuggle into you when he's hungry or cold. That's just enough to lull you into thinking he's sound, and then he'll attack you from behind the shower curtain. Like, uh, <laughs> oh my god! Like full. I couldn't live like that. There's like a slash down our shower curtain now where he's just leapt in and like wolverined the vinyl <laughs> so that's one of the things that's the matter with us at the moment but that's an answer that would also have been true for the previous eight weeks I mean this is like a horror film <laughs> it's an adorable horror film though he's got a bow tie right now and how Aww. can you not love that exactly he looks like the younger brother at a bemitzvah I'm a full-on Jewish mother and I'm not only obsessed with food, but also every time I meet anyone, all I want to know is, have you eaten yet? So I'd like to ask you if you have any particular food memories that surround Jewish food or a meal that connects to your Jewish life. So one of my favorite uh, memories is being in Lisbon with my grandma when I was about seven or eight years old, visiting my mom's cousin, who was the ambassador to Israel in Lisbon at that time. And I was supposed to be on my best behavior. And I brought this dress that my sister had worn in a movie that she was in for a scene in a church where she played a girl who was receiving her communion. And so it was this beautiful like dress and we were going to have this big rosh 
Rosh Hashanah dinner for all the other ambassadors that were in Lisbon. She was hosting this dinner and it was very fancy. And I had been told so many times to please be on my best behavior. And I remember I got seated next to the ambassador to Greece and they had these potatoes, but they had like shredded them and I couldn't get them onto my fork, but I was supposed to be on my best behavior and I didn't know what to do. And the Greek ambassador looked at me and he said, what are you doing? Just use your hands. And then we started eating the potatoes <laughs> with our hands. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. There's a, a few other Israelis there. And one of them asked me, that's such a beautiful dress. Where did you get it? And I said, oh, I got this at my sister's communion. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all like, what? Oh my God, what is this? That's one of my favorite memories surrounding Jewish meals. Well, I remember being at the United Nations and no, I'm, I'm <laughs> you asked at the beginning what my family upbringing was. My family would do the, you know, the full Jewish meals and the deli stuff and all of that. And, the, you know, I have fun memories of the seders. But also my family is the level of Jewish where the house, it was, I grew up in is strictly kosher, but then we would go on holiday and then like all bets are off, you know, <laughs> hotel breakfast, there's bacon, there's pork. And then, <laughs> and, and I know I'm not the only one of your listeners who fall into this category and would do this. We would get food delivered to the house, like Chinese takeaways with pork chow mein. And then we would cover the table with newspaper and eat off paper plates to trick God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what my Jewish relationship with food was growing up. It, it was a mixture of full observance and then trickery. I that's love so that funny. idea that you're tricking God with the newspapers. Yeah. Like, he's not watching what's happening. He's just reading the articles. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know what, like sometimes even we'd have two different newspapers and one of them would be the Jewish Chronicle and mum wouldn't let us use that because it felt wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. I used to wait tables at this place called the Meatball Shop and we had all different kinds of meatballs, but they all had a little bit of pork in them. All the meatballs, except the veggie balls. So one day I was working and this guy comes in and he goes, excuse me, um, I'm about to bring my family in. They're Jewish. Could you not tell them that all the meatballs have pork in them? And I was like, what? I'm not going to be the reason they're standing there and they're like, you shall not pass. What? We did everything right. No, you ate pork. What? No, I'm not doing that. I said, no. I said, sorry, I cannot do that. Quite right. I remember a colleague of mine said to me, her grandma was very, very orthodox. But when the grandma had been a child, she'd been evacuated out of London and she'd been placed with a family near the seaside. At that point in time, you had to eat whatever they gave you. You had to go along with everything and the oh, yeah. rabbi had said to them you know just do what you have to do and she developed like a taste for prawns she loved prawns and then when she came back after the war and she was back at home and everything obviously they didn't have any and when she became old this craving came back massively for prawns so by that time like my friend her family weren't religious so she used to send her out secretly to get her prawns uh, and she'd have a special plate and a special knife and fork hidden away in a top cupboard that she'd bring out just like about once every few months when the craving got too much. <laughs> so that's an awesome thing. <laughs>
Lucy, obviously we know you've already been upset recently about a bagel situation and I don't want to delve further. In the UK, we would get upset maybe about the pronunciation of bagel or bagel. But we want to know whether you have any bruguses in your lives or family feuds that you want to share with us now. The most recent one was an email from my sister to me, my mother and my father with the subject, Parsley Dangerous in all caps. <laughs> and then um, she goes on to write, she says, Mom, you told me that you have been making Persian parsley salad every night and parsley is very dangerous when ingested in large quantities. You must stop with the Persian parsley salad immediately. And then she adds like all these articles and proof, all the evidence. And then my mom replies all to the uh, email and says, Marie, I only made the parsley salad twice last week and I will look into this. And so an email chain and a big feud about <laughs> parsley erupted, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. So I put it in my show. I talked about it. I do this live stream show and I talked about it. My sister was watching and then I started getting text messages from my sister after the show about parsley saying she meant parsley is only bad when eaten every day in large quantities. I should not stop eating parsley. In fact, I should eat parsley all the time. So this parsley thing has been ongoing and is turning into a family feud, a parsley family feud. <laughs> Are you going to have the people who do eat parsley and the people who don't eat parsley and they don't speak to each other and their grandchildren won't speak to each other? Exactly. I think that's what it's looking like at the moment. And, you know, someone's parsley is getting cut out of the will, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's going to happen at Seder night? I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, you'll have to have some parsley. And but it'll be, a, it'll be an extra reminder of the difficulties and travails of the people. <laughs> Not only do they have to navigate the enslavement of the Egyptians <laughs> and the <laughs> long dangerous trek across but, the desert. Just another way that the people were delivered by the loving hand of God. <laughs> it enabled their digestive system to successfully process. No, and that's why. Well, here's the thing. I think the real answer is that being the chosen ones, it really, it's all about the parsley. We're the chosen yeah. ones to be able to digest <laughs> parsley properly. That's what that was all about. And if you so. just enabled us to eat parsley that would have been enough <laughs> excellent work there matt gershom i mean there's really a limited number of podcasts that that is the good joke for matt let's ask you the same question about any broguses you're aware of well, th this week's been relatively harmonious, but like going back, my mum holds a grudge and also is mortifying dealing with any kind of interaction where she feels she's been wronged by a business. That was always fun growing up. There were some long-standing like family rifts before I was in the picture and before I was aware. Like it took apparently a very long time for my, I think it must be great-grandmother or maybe great-aunt. I think it would maybe even be great-great-grandmother to accept my dad's cousin who married a non-Jewish woman. Like the first time he brought her to the house, great great grandma wouldn't speak she refused to say anything she just gave the silent treatment and eventually someone went look why aren't you saying anything and she went i don't speak on tuesdays <laughs> so, <laughs> my favorite grudge though this is another family one but auntie hilda who's actually an aunt by marriage and sadly no longer with us she was a joy of a human a treat of a person we found out it's a good 10 years ago now we discovered this she, at that point in her 80s, I think, had been running a one-woman campaign 
against Lorraine Kelly. This just all came out. Like, we were all eating together, and so, like Lorraine Kelly somehow came up. I don't know who brought it up, whether it was her or someone else. And she went, I don't like her. I don't like her. She's too Scottish, and I can't understand her. <laughs> and then it turns out she's not just been voicing this opinion. She had been phoning up the TV station and writing them letters demanding that Lorraine Kelly be taken off the air and, and I quote, sent back to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were dealing with. You know, because we, we all work in the entertainment industry, you will become aware of someone will show you, like a producer will show you a letter, a crazy letter or phone call that they've received from a member of the public about something they've been working on. What a joy to find out that Great Auntie Hilda was one of those letters that's probably been passed around the office. She's back again. She sent us another one. I love the idea that she could be too Scottish. Like, there was a time where she enjoyed the level of Scottishness being portrayed by Lorraine Kelly, famous Scot. <laughs> and, and then she crossed that line and went, nope, too much. She's overdone it now. 2020 has been quite a weird year so far, and it wouldn't it surprise has. anybody. Thank you, Matt, for your validation. <laughs> I, I keep up on the news there, Rachel. I'm interested in current affairs. 2020 has been quite a weird year. I think we can all agree. I know Matt certainly agrees. And it wouldn't surprise anybody if we sooner or later found ourselves in some kind of wasteland with Jews versus zombies. So if we were to discover ourselves in that quite challenging position, I'd like to know what kind of skills you guys might bring to our zombie apocalypse survival team. I have very limited skills, although I will say, okay, does our post-apocalyptic wasteland include YouTube? Because... <laughs> it I does till the power goes down. It does, but we would have to call it YouTube. Right. Because <laughs> I have got reasonably handy recently. I've done the odd bit of sorting stuff out and fixing stuff. You know, particularly now we're, we're in a pandemic and I don't want to have too much interaction with other people, potential infections. So I recharged the air conditioning on my car. With, with the help of YouTube, I wow. I changed my other half's car headlights, managed to change the battery of our smoke alarm. You know, all sorts of stuff that I might have called a man to do in the past. Called <laughs> <laughs> a real grown up. Hey, you're a, you're a proper adult. If I just <laughs> give you money, can you be an adult for me, please? But instead, I've had to do that, and I've done it with the aid of YouTube tutorials. So thank you, <laughs> whoever has the time and effort and energy to want to you know, take time out of their lives filming a 10-minute video that instructs this incompetent thing uh, <laughs> on how to recharge a car air conditioner. Because it worked. The car is now a reasonable temperature. I'm very happy with my work. I'm very proud of what I did. Amazing. So is your point that you could look stuff up on YouTube and that would be your skill? No, my point is that I now know that I have the ability to learn various survival and manual skills that I previously didn't possess as long as I have a video to refer to. Like, I'm sure someone has made a video on how to snare an animal, how to fend off hordes with a crossbow. I, I, there, must be, there must be a crossbow instructional video, like how to make a crossbow when then use it. Those two must exist. And I feel like given an afternoon of free time and a still working internet connection, I think I'm going to be useful to our tribe. And I the mean problem. tribe in both senses. The problem, <laughs> the problem you're going to find now is when you come out of lockdown with all of these fantastic DIY type skills, yep. that all these Americans that don't believe you're Jewish are going to just have more evidence that you're not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he just say the word carburetor? <laughs> Lucy, what about you? What skills do you bring to the table? Well, first of all, I love the people that go, I don't have any skills. And it's like, but I did change the air conditioning in my car. <laughs> I also tried that 
by the way, Matt, during lockdown, I watched a video on how to replace the cocking around your bathtub. And uh -huh. I watched the entire video. And for the first like five minutes, I was like, oh, I'm going to be able to do this. This is cool. Whoa, this is going to be mind blowing because I'm going to do a handyman job in my apartment by myself. And then by minute like 13, I was like, what? I'm never going to be able to do this. What are you talking about? Uh, why don't I have a husband? So that's that. Um, I bring to the table in a zombie apocalypse extensive experience with drama. <laughs> I'm uh, very experienced with all kinds of drama. I can handle any situation. And I think that'll be very valuable. I mean, between Matt and me, I think that we would do really well. You know, I would be in charge of calming everybody down, talking to the zombies and just, you know, reasoning with them. Matt would be figuring out how to murder them in the meantime. Yeah, then they, they would probably be like, ugh, that's the Jews over there. <laughs> Every time we kill them, we have to have a half-hour conversation with them first, talk about the meaning of life. <laughs> so um, that's what I would bring to the table. And also, I can sing David Hasselhoff songs. I know them by heart, and I think that would fend off zombies. I mean, that might make you quite lonely in a team by yourself. That might be so, but I'll still be alive. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for Lucy's skill set. Thank you. Know, you. Her background as a cabaret performer and actor, you know, it's good to know in a post-apocalyptic scene that you can do some mask work. Well, <laughs> exactly. But also I grew up in a family where it was like drama a la carte is what I call it. Like I'd get a phone call from my dad and it would be like, my printer's broken. Ah! <laughs> it doesn't. And then he'd be like, oh, oh, it's working again. Ah! <laughs> it's working again. Everything's fine. And that's not even a joke. Like that's just the truth of uh, well, my Lucy, where where are the peaches that I bought? And I'd be like, oh, oh, I my friends and I ate the peaches. You ate the peaches. <laughs> Those peaches. I was looking forward to them all day. Ten minutes later, we're laughing and dancing. So I'm just picturing you shouting at the zombies. It's yes and yes and. <laughs> yeah. They're just standing around going, can you taste parsley? Within the Jewish community, there's lots of different ways that we all sort of know each other. Matt and I, for instance, went to the same school. Oh, uh, we did. Different mm -hmm. year group. So there's that that we have in common. And uh, every time we uh, kind of ships passing in the night at the various comedian parties that we end up at, it's always brought up. And then, and then we always have to have the same conversation about the other two <laughs> people connected to the school yeah. and the comedy world. Exactly. Michael McIntyre, a couple of years before you, and Andrew Doyle, who was a teacher there. Who's heard of them? What happened to them? Right? I, I did know about Andrew Doyle, actually. I'd completely forgotten about him. But yes, Michael <laughs> McIntyre, who mentions it in his book and hated the school. Apparently so, yes. So there are small connections like that, but we are always very interested in thinking about our own six degrees of can't eat bacon. Sorry. Other than us, who are your most interesting Jewish connections, Matt? Okay, so here's the thing. Obviously, you know, we have those connections through the entertainment industry. I'm not counting any of those because you just meet people in comedy who a fair number of them are Jewish, but I, that's, that's cheating. But I, I think this is a very Jewish connection to famous people because my great uncle Sam was 
an accountant to the stars, and mostly comedy stars. He, he had multiple entertainment industry clients, including Michael Benteen, who was one of the goons, the mm -hmm. sketch group that included uh, Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan, Harry Seacombe. That was one of his. Tommy Cooper was one of his clients. Oh, wow. Sam himself was a funny and witty, strange and fun guy. But I do know, and th this speaks to the connections and who you're connected to. My dad's brother, Uncle Peter, sat down with great Uncle Sam before he died because Uncle Peter was doing the family tree and he was doing the complete, you know, he, he really sort of researched it, uh, went deep into our, our history and connections and sat down with Uncle Sam for a, a long time. And Sam told him all these stories for quite some time about our heritage and the people he knew. Uh, after a while, he goes, now this man, this man was a famous inventor. And he was like, oh, what did he invent? And he said, he invented the cupboard. Sam lied about every single one of these people up to this point. Or was my great 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 grandfather the first person in history to think of putting a door on the shelf? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the best I've managed to piece together is maybe he was a furniture designer or he created a type of cupboard. Cupboards <laughs> date back to antiquity. Or either that or Sam was just making the whole thing up and we're not connected to anyone. But Sam was definitely a Tommy Cooper's accountant. I know that for That's a fact. Awesome. That's, That's impressive. Awesome. Yeah, the inventor of the cupboards. I know, I know. You are sitting amongst, I mean, not quite royalty, but near royal. I'd say better <laughs> than royalty. Like, how often do you use a cupboard in your life? Almost every day. I, was, I mean, I use our every cupboard day. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I definitely use a cupboard more than I use an accountant. <laughs> that, that's true. Lucy, how about you? What's your six degrees that can't eat bacon? So my grandfather's cousin was Helena Weigel, who was Bertolt Brecht's wife. Bertolt Brecht, for those of you who don't know, look it up! Uh, um, <laughs> so that's a thing, and the reason why my mother's family moved from Romania to Germany. So very also impactful in my life because Helena Weigel brought uh, my mother's family over to Germany from Romania. My grandfather was a German Jew who left uh, Germany in 1933, which was definitely the number one thing to do in the Jewish edition of Lonely Planet in 1933, was get out. Uh, he went to Romania, and then in 1961, Helena Weigel came to visit them and saw that they were living in poverty and brought them over to East Berlin. There was no wall yet. That was in August of 1961. She said, come over to East Berlin, and if you don't like it here, you can leave. And then a week after they got there, the wall went up, and then she said, well, I hope you like it here, because now you can't leave. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, I think. I've, I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that in my life. I mean, it's um, no cupboard, but it's pretty impressive. The cupboard thing was hard to follow, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Um, but actually, then, there's a connection with Brecht in the cupboard because the door effectively is the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It all ties in. Also, though, this is also very cool. One of my parents' best friends from way before he was world famous is Christoph Waltz, who's Jewish and was my babysitter, basically, when I was younger, a lot of nights. And so those are my Jewish connections. I'm sorry <laughs> that I don't have anybody in my family who invented a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> this show is mainly about Jewishness, so I'd love to ask you, what is the most Jewish thing about you, Lucy? I think the most Jewish thing about me is that I don't know what the most Jewish thing about me is. <laughs> 
That's the most Jewish thing about me. I think about <laughs> it all the time. I worry about it. I don't know. I worry. I worry about everything. But um, maybe that's just part of being alive. Oh, yeah. Can I take worrying as well as mine? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Matt, what's the most Jewish thing about you? Sorry, I'm now worried that I came in too early with that. Am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking that We're as my worried. answer. Are you worried at the moment? How Always can you worried. not be worried at the Always moment? Worried. That came out far more serious than I wanted. So I don't know. I don't know is the answer. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's nearly all we've got time for, but how will our audiences know what you're up to if you never call, you never write? So this is your chance to tell our lovely audience where they can find you. Normally we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. <laughs> Matt. Well, I, I'm at Matt Kirshen on Twitter, and I think Matt underscore Kirshen on Instagram, but I rarely use it. And then Probably Science, which you mentioned at the top of the show, that is my podcast. I'd love you to check that out. That's everywhere that podcasts are. And then I would plug gigs, but who knows when those are going to happen again. <laughs> I'm doing some on Zoom. I'd normally tweet about them, but yeah, Probably Science and my Twitter are the main things you can find out about me. Great. And Lucy? I uh, live stream a show on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 p.m. EST and I also live stream a show on Twitch every Thursday at 4 p.m. EST. I tweet about them, I Instagram about them at Lucy Pole Comedy on Twitter, and you love Lucy on Instagram. U L O V E L U C I E. And that's where you can find me. And also anywhere where there's cupboards. <laughs> this has been really fun and from now on I always think of Lucy as the Jew who taught us that we were chosen to digest parsley and Matt as the Jew who could achieve anything as long as there's a YouTube video about it thank you <laughs> and as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls you must have better things to do than talk to me and you must have better things to do than talk to us which is a good thing because we come to the end of this week's show we'd like to thank our guests Lucy Pohl and Matt Kirshen follow them on social media follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. Don't forget to share, subscribe and leave us a review and join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Rachel Krieger and me, Philip Simon and it was produced by Russell Bolkin. And good to know that cupboards are Jewish. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely.